You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here for MLB.com Extras, a special edition of the Yankees podcast as we headed out to City Field for the Subway Series. We've got WFAN Sweeney Murdy together with MLB.com Mets reporter Anthony DeComo to tackle the Subway Series and the trade deadline. All right, Subway Series back in New York. We kicked this thing off in Queens. Game one, of course, on Monday night. We're getting ready for game two here. Sweeney Murdy from WFAN and Anthony DeComo from MLB.com. So we have both sides of the action accounted for here. Uh, it's always a little special when these two teams get together. Uh, what is it about the Subway Series? And it's the four-game set. They're switching ballparks halfway through. So what makes it so special? You have two very uh, passionate fan bases. And regardless of how the teams are doing, I think you can tell that they want to come out and see them. I mean, people, I hear all the time people say they're tired of the Subway Series, but when you look up, there's still full houses in the ballparks so are close to it pretty much every time. So until you start seeing half the stands full, I won't believe people saying that they're tired of the Subway Series, unless they're from California. Yeah, you know, I was actually just talking to someone about this a couple hours ago. These games tend to be good. They tend to be close, tight, competitive games. I think, like you said, it doesn't really matter which team is heading in which direction and where they are in the standings. They always seem to be good games, whether it's a walk-off that we've seen multiple times in the Subway Series or, uh, you know, Luis Castillo always comes to mind as one of those games that you remember. But even last night, a 10 inning game on a sacrifice fly, it's, it's exciting. They're close games. You don't see blowouts one way or the other. Absolutely. And I, I think the one thing we notice is that they don't, both teams don't have to be in contention at the World Series. All you need is one team to need to win games, and the other team's fan base wants to stop that from happening. So, like last year, these two teams met in September, and the Mets were going where they were going. Well, the Yankee fans you know, felt like the games had a less meaning because you wanted to kind of beat the team or slow down the team. They were going uh, on their own. Bragging rights is the basis for this yeah. whole thing in a lot of ways. And it's interesting right now because you look at the, the records, almost identical. But when trade deadline comes around, the Mets are buyers, the Yankees are sellers, which still, the day after, just feels a little weird to say Yankees are sellers. Um, but I think at this point, they're still in the wild card race. We'll see what can happen. But when you look at this series as a whole, these four games, does it mean more to the Mets or the Yankees to start with the Mets? I think it has to be more for the Mets only because they're publicly going for it. They're all in. They traded for Jay Bruce and even a smaller deal for John Neese. And I agree with you. I think the Yankees you know, can still get hot, can still make a run, even though they traded with some of their better players. It's possible. But for the Mets, it's what they're aiming to do. They're not looking for the future. They're not even looking at 2017 at this point. They're looking right now, these final two months, and making a similar type of run they did last year. So if they wind up falling flat, Losing three or four to the Yankees, yeah, that's more of a problem, I would say, for them than for a Yankees team that is okay on the Rapids head around the country, maybe not winning this Yeah, listen, I think the Yankees have clearly you know, laid out their plan that it's not going to be about 2016. They're talking about the future, they're talking about making some more moves when they get back to the American League ballpark with DH and you know, maybe uh, shuffle the roster again. Gary Sanchez uh, could be on his way very soon. 
uh, one of their top prospects, a good inning catcher that they have in AAA. You've got other guys that you've been hearing about for a while, like Henry Judge, Tyler Austin is having a good year for a space in AAA. You know, these types of guys you're going to start to see. With those you know, those at-bats coming at the expense of a guy like Alex Rodriguez. So this is not the Yankees you've got used to. I've heard a lot of people say, they're selling for the first time since 1989. They traded Ricky Henderson. They didn't trade Don Mattingly. They didn't trade, you know, everybody else. They, they traded one player. This is the first time the Yankees have been sellers to this degree ever. And it's funny you say that about the prospects coming in because the Mets are kind of doing the opposite. They turned over their clubhouse to four new players. They shipped out Brandon Nimmo, who they still think is a huge part of their future, to bring in a utility man in Ty Kelly because they want those setbacks now. They want those professional events. They want to know what they're getting. And in pennant race, you need to bring someone up in the eighth inning of the game to get ahead. Well, plus, you know, taking a page from not just the Yankees book, but from a contending team book, all last winter we heard Dilson Herrera's name as the guy who, well, this is the guy who's going to step in at second base. This, this is why you can afford to let Daniel Murphy walk because you're going to stop gap and here comes Dilson Herrera. He's not going to be traded. He's not going to be traded. Guess what? Yesterday he was traded. Yeah. So a little different perspective uh, than we used to see. Yeah, absolutely. And believe me, they didn't love the idea of trading Dilson Herrera, but it's something you're willing to do. These are the sacrifices you make when you want to go for it and you want to be in that You mode. have a window. Exactly. Yeah. You can tell we're at City Field, by the way. I'm sure you can hear the planes overhead. Uh, nothing we can do about that. We couldn't pause the flight patterns for this thing. But you may, we talked about the Yankees selling, and I feel like one of the reasons they've always been bye, 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 we're never going to rebuild, we're not a team that rebuilds, is that they didn't think the fans would accept that. But I feel like after yesterday, the fan base, for the most part, I think the educated fans who, who follow baseball know how this game works now, they're on board with this plan. They like what happened yesterday. They, they see what these prospects could become. They've seen what the Cubs have done with all their young players. And the fan base overall, I feel like, is okay with not, not a long rebuild, but hey, all right, let's maybe throw in the towel a little this year, maybe stumble early next year, and let's see these young guys start coming Listen, up. If it works the plan where next year the Yankees are contending, the fan base, I'm sure, is okay. Well, that's is the okay. pitch, that's, right? That's not how it works. <laughs> no. I mean, I think you have to be realistic about what might happen. If you're going to rely on young players, you, you might stumble a little bit. And, you know, the, the Yankees' business model isn't necessarily built to rebuild. You're talking about a, a relatively new ballpark that you need to fill seats in. You know, the Cubs is a bad, they're a bad example. You know, you're going to get 30,000 people coming up to Wrigley Field no matter what type of team is out there. It's not necessarily built around a winning team. Uh, the Yankee business plan can't sustain a couple of years of this. It's more with the idea of maybe it's reloading and not rebuilding. Um, the educated fan, yes, but if you, know, you have to be prepared for the fact that the Yankees might lose 90 games if they go full bore with kids. Now, if 35,000 people are there and they're watching that, I'm sure the Yankees are fine with that. But if they're not, you know, the fan that says we're okay with it, maybe they're home watching on TV, not you know, being, not sitting in the stands. You have to expect that if there are problems, growing pains, so to speak, that will affect attendance, and we'll see by how much. But that's where that's where you find out how much people are actually willing to accept. It's hard to go in between, though, and I know because I watched it with this other team with the Mets. They never did. Yes, they sold off Carlos Beltran at one point. They sold R.A. Dickey for prospects. But they never went and just blew up the roster. Like, a lot of people thought they should at the time. Well, guess what? It took five long years of fourth-place finishes 
them to get back to where they wanted to be. I think if you could, you know, tell Sandy Ellison that that was going to happen and, and go back and do it, he might have done it a different way, a quicker way. And yes, it would have resulted in more losses in the short term, but in the long term, it might have taken three years instead of five. So it's a very tough balance to strike. You're not trying to do it the Astros way or the Phillies way or the Cubs way. You're trying to be competitive in the short term while also building that long-term juggernaut. And they've, they've built a formula here with by, by reloading the farm system, which is already pretty good to begin with. Now they're shooting up to the top of the rankings. But listen, the Yankees are better than anybody. You don't throw parades in the Canyon of Heroes for having the best farm system. You have parades for winning World Series championships. And the good thing about those prospects is they are close, too. It's not like they got a bunch of stud prospects who are an A-ball. I mean, these guys are going to come quick, so hopefully it's a quick turnaround for the Yankees. Uh, the Mets were buyers at the deadline. Jay Bruce uh, is here in the lineup tonight. Um, but it makes an interesting, you look at that outfield, now you have four outfielders, but you still don't have a center fielder. So what's the plan as far as the Mets outfield? Interesting is a nice <laughs> word to use. I wouldn't want to recall this job. Are you playing center? Uh, you know what? They might need me to at some point. And, and that's sort of the thing with this whole situation is that you know, Trey Collins keep racing out, just batting back and forth to talk to Curtis Granderson about the situation. Uh, you know, from his perspective, he was the right fielder, and now he's being told you have to go play center a little bit. The Mets would love for you on assessments to be able to play center still, but they are very worried about his leg, which has been bothering him since before the All-Star break. I think in a perfect world, you will be able to do that once we get later into August and into September. But in the meantime, you're going to be putting a lot of different square pegs into that circle hole in center field. They're going to try much Porto, who has played there, and it looked okay. They're going to try Granderson there. They might try Jay Bruce there. He seems amenable to it today when the Mets kind of tested the waters with him. I think ultimately Cespedes is the answer, but it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching until we get to that point. And how long does Cespedes stay healthy if he's playing center field? Because obviously that the risk just goes up that much. Um, until just, I guess, a few minutes ago, we didn't know who the starting pitcher was tomorrow night for the Yankees. We do now, though. I didn't know if maybe it was Luis Severino's turn, but it's not going to be right. Chad, Chad Green is going to start. They like what they've seen from him. You know, it, it could have been any one of them. It could have been Severino. They're, uh, they're going with Green. Uh, he's turned in a couple of good starts. This is, you know, this is kind of what you're going to see here. And, and just even if he turns in a bad start, doesn't mean that he's not part of the answer here. This is kind of what you got to find out. You got to let the guys go through some, some things and, and kind of learn on the job here. Um, it's uh, you know, Green's one of the guys they got last winter from Detroit uh, in the trade for Justin Wilson. And Luis Sessa is another one. And he's been a triple A, has won a cup of coffee with the big leagues. Uh, but he's been pitching triple A, and they have high hopes for him, too. You're going you're gonna to see a lot of different guys come up and take their turns, and we'll see how many of them stick. What is the, I mean, you talk to the organization. Is there really a belief that this team can stay in that wild card race after what happened at the trade? Well, I think the thing you have to remember is that the players on the field and the manager in the dugout are trying to win today's game. And that's... That's really all they are going to worry about, you know. I think overall, we look at the we look at the roster, we look at the lineups, we look at the challenges they have, and you say, okay, this team's probably not going to contend here. But you know, they're not looking to see what their record's going to be over the last 50 games. They're worried about today's game. And whatever lineup they put out there, those guys are trying to get hits, and the pitchers are trying to get outs. I mean, it's really, you know, uh, focused to the, to the smallest level for these guys. So... Yeah, I mean, I think we look at it and say they're, they're not going to stay in this. But you know, it's not going to those guys from trying to let you lose the ball. There's certain markets where I think first impressions 
maybe go further than other markets. I think New York, Boston, Philadelphia. So how big is tonight for Jay Bruce? I mean, at home against the Yankees, I mean, it's New York. I mean, you go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts and suddenly, oh, why did we trade for Jay Bruce? You get a big hit to drive in a couple runs and you're the savior. Of course, and the question posed to Jay Bruce in his initial press conference was, I mean, you couldn't go really from a smaller market to a bigger market in this league, Cincinnati to New York, and he looked out at probably about 100 media members sitting there and he said, what are you talking about? This is exactly the same. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right, Tim. He, he needs a hot start. Um, but really he just needs to be himself because that's the player the Mets traded for. And if you remember last year, Jonas Cespedes did not get off to a great start with the Mets. It took about two weeks before he really started hitting and then once he did, he caught absolute fire. Um, certainly fans didn't get on him for those first couple of weeks as much as we've seen them get on other players in the past. So uh, I don't think he needs to go three for four tonight in his first game, but it would it would do wonders for him if he could get a home run in the next couple of games and just get that monkey up. Any player would have coming to a new team off his back. All right, finishing things off here tonight, great pitching matchup. we get got Tanaka and DeGrom. Uh, what do you expect to see in this one? Well, it's two great pitchers, so I expect to see a lot of offense because that's how it usually works, right? Uh, you know, from a Mets perspective, Jacob DeGrom doesn't ever seem to get the headlines that the other guys do, even that Steven Matz gets, um, compared to Noah Syndergaard, compared to Matt Harvey when he was healthy. I still think he might be the best pitcher of the bunch. If you had one game to win, I would put Jacob DeGrom out there. He's a bulldog. He gets it done. Uh, when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's great at getting it done in those situations. So I expect on a big stage like this, he will pitch very well. Yeah, Tanaka has just been—he's been very good all year. You know, it's—he um, uh, doesn't have a lot of wins to show for it. A lot of no decisions early in the season. But uh, I think you've seen a guy in the last couple of years that just figures out how to compete. And it's not about blowing anybody away at 95 anymore. It's really—it's fun to watch him pitch. You know, he's gotten so many pitches. It's really fun to watch him attack certain hitters and certain lineups. And he's had success against the Mets, so uh, I think he. Yeah, it'll probably be 10 to 9, but I'd like, I'd like to think that we're looking at a 2 to 1 ball game. All right, Subway Series, it's always a lot of fun. For Anthony DiComo and Sweeney Birdie, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 